All right. Good morning. Thanks, Matt. Don and I need a lot of prayer this week. We're playing each other in fantasy football today. So we've kind of got a little enmity between one another. And so I'm just praying for God's peace upon our relationship. So appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> but we are in this series, Good News of Great Joy. It is great joy for all people, this news of the birth of Jesus. And even as we've been singing about joy and we've heard like even even in Josh's prayer of just like whatever circumstance you're in that's the beautiful thing about joy is joy is not about what's going on in your life joy is not about the the ups and downs or the waves of real true very difficult moments in life or deep significant griefs that we might have joy is the solid rock of Jesus the joy of the lord is our strength it is our strength, not for easy times, but yes, also like not only easy times, but for all of those hard times and that God will give you that joy. And we believe that good news of great joy is for all people. And we see it in this, this series is we see the, the kind of foundation of this series is this passage that you see here where it says in Luke 2.10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Because of the birth of Jesus, those shepherds in that story back then, 2,000 years ago, had good news of great joy for them. But it's not just for them, it's for you it's not just for back then, it's for today. And so God has good news of great joy for you. And to you it's being proclaimed and it will also be proclaimed through you and your life. So as we look into this today, we look into one of these stories. We've been seeing all these different stories of how this good news of great joy was proclaimed in the, the Christmas story from the prophets of old to Zechariah last week. And today it's through an angel to Joseph. And we title it, When the Good News Disrupts Your Life. Okay, this is good news, but this good news is also going to upend everything for Joseph. So let's read through this story because, you see, when, when God comes into your life, even before we read this, when God comes into your life, nothing will be the same. Nothing can be the same. Nothing should be the same. Everything should get disrupted. And for Joseph, it really does. So let's look into his story in Matthew 1, 18 to 25. And forgive me as I continue to read the Bible on my printed out sheet because I only have one arm. All right, here we go. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. I actually have two arms, but one's not working great. Okay, so this verse. <laughs> this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. All right, so Joseph finds out his fiance is now pregnant. He was not involved, and he is very troubled by all of this. All right, he's, doesn't, he's, he's upset. He has every right to be upset. He actually has the right, if he wants, to have her killed. 
That is what he had the right to do. But because it says he was a righteous man and he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, he was like, okay, I'm just going just gonna to break this off quietly because this isn't, I don't want to be a part of this at the same time, so I'm out. Right? And so then it says, as he considered this, so he's, he's considering, like, what, okay, what, what should I do here? It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Radical story, incredible story, prophecies coming true from hundreds of years ago that, that a virgin would conceive a child. It happens in Bethlehem. Again, more prophecies coming true. Just this whole thing happening is this crazy supernatural miracle. It's incredible. And then, I mean, the way that God communicates with Joseph is in a dream, which is also an incredible moment. So all of it is filled with things that are, again, familiar to us, but we have to sort of break through that familiarity to get to the, the heart and the core of the wonder of this story. I want, your, I want your mind and your heart to experience the wonder and the miracle that is happening here in this story through what God has done. But also to get your head a little bit into the shame and dishonor and concern and maybe anger that Joseph is experiencing in the midst of this moment. And Mary is even just kind of like innocently saying like, I didn't do anything wrong, right? Like all this is happening where they're, they're in this culture. I mean, this also remembering too, sorry, I'm just trying to have us remember a lot here. But that Mary was most likely a young teenage girl in a culture of shame and honor where, like, this would have been difficult for a, a woman today, a young woman today. But back then, it was, it was fear. It was everything was over. Life was over for her. Maybe literally and definitely in the sense of how people would treat her. And for Joseph, the plans that he has for his life and for his, his soon-to-be wife, all of this is being upended. And so he's trying to take all of this in. But then you see this amazing response. When he woke up, he obeyed, right? He, w he wakes up and he does what the, what the angel had commanded him to do, what God had commanded him through that angel. And interestingly enough, truly good news, good news from God sometimes might not feel good at first. Okay, for Joseph, this isn't feeling like good news in the midst of this moment. Like, what? What is happening? What? My life is, like, I had a plan for all this. I had a plan for my life, and God, now you're doing this? Like, I, I don't know if this is really great news for me, but 
Actually, though, God, when it's truly good news, even if it doesn't feel like it, it will allow you to work through really difficult circumstances because God has a plan and God is fulfilling his great plan in the world. And so I want us to look into this uh, a little bit at a couple points, like a little more deeply. And the first is this whole thing the angel says of do not be afraid. This is basically what angels say every time they appear. It's like angels need a little sign or something on them. It's like, it's cool. I'm not going to kill you or whatever it is that people think is going to happen because everybody freaks out when there's an angel and they, they sort of need to be settled, settled down. I mean, the shepherds are afraid. We'll see next week where Mary's afraid. Like people are afraid. When angels come, they always say, do not be afraid. Now, uniquely, this, this angel actually says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Do not be afraid to do this thing that I have called you to do, that God is calling you to do. And so with this, I guess I want us to put ourselves into Joseph's shoes in this moment, into his heart and into his mind, into his dream. And he has, again, he has these plans. He has these thoughts of, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live here and I'm going to live here in Nazareth with this, this woman that I love so deeply. And then everything is changing. And I don't know for you if like you've had everything change or the circumstances of your life have radically changed. And maybe that could be through something like this where God's calling you to something. But maybe it's just through life, life's hardships or even good things can happen that can change our lives radically. And in the midst of that, we can be afraid. And we can be afraid to do what God has called us to do because it's going to be hard. It's going to be extremely hard and it's going to be scary. Life can be scary when we're trying to follow God. It really can be. Sometimes we're afraid to submit ourselves to something other than ourselves. Right? It's scary to say, I'm going to submit to something greater than, than me. I think I'm the greatest thing in my life, right? Or I'm the, I'm the ruler of my life. And to, to submit myself to something other, to God, can be scary. Sometimes we're even afraid to leave our pain behind. We've grown familiar with it. It's become comfortable for us. And God is calling you out of that to something more. Maybe God is calling you to move like further beyond even into that. Sometimes we're afraid of the power of God. Sometimes we're afraid of what God might ask us to do. And for us, it, it always seems like what God might ask us to do is to move to Mongolia, right? Or something, or God is calling us to move to, to South America or wherever, to Indonesia. And you're like, okay, I don't know if I want to submit to God because what's God going to make me do if I'm going to say, okay, Lord, I'm in? Like, I'm scared of what God would actually ask me to do. But sometimes we might be a little bit even more scared to go across the street to talk to our neighbor than we are to go to Mongolia, right? And so what is God calling you to do? Life can be scary when God is calling you out in that way. And sometimes we're afraid of living up to the ideal of what we think like a good Christian is supposed to be. We're afraid to let God down or something in that way. And so instead of starting, we just never, you know, instead of starting and, being, and having the potential to fail, we just never do anything at all. We don't trust. We don't risk. And sometimes we're afraid to leave our shame behind, to believe in something more. Because to have hope can be frightening sometimes for us. Hope can be a scary thing for many people. And so I want to encourage you, though, in the midst of this, yes, it's scary. I feel like God is showing us 
through this angel to Joseph that, yes, it is scary. He's saying, do not be afraid for a reason. He's saying, do not be afraid because for him to take Mary as his wife took risk upon himself. That took the shame upon himself that they had to endure through the way people were going to treat them differently because of their obedience. But God is saying, hey, trust me in the midst of this. Don't be afraid. I love uh, this quote by Evelyn Underhill. It says, if God were small enough to be understood, he wouldn't be big enough to be worshipped. A lot of times as we're trying to understand the complexity of, of who God is and how he works in the world and all these sort of confusing things about God's wrath and God's love and God's sovereignty and free will and all these, you know, all these sorts of things that are hard to understand about the way that God works. And I love how she says, if God were small enough for you to understand him fully, he would never be big enough to be worshipped. And I think that there's like some sort of version for us of it in this, that if God were small enough to be feared or to not be feared, if God were small enough to not be feared, then he wouldn't be big enough to be worshipped. Like God is so big and so vast and so powerful that, yeah, you should be a little scared. <laughs> like it's a healthy thing to have a fear of God. We're actually called to have that kind of reverence and awe. But... He is a God that we worship because of how big he is. And so we trust in him. Now, along the way, it's going to be scary. It's going to be hard. But we can trust in him. And so I want to encourage us. Like, we're going to look into what, how Joseph responded and what the way is maybe that we can respond sometimes to what God is calling us to in the midst of this as we look into how he worked in this story. But... As sort of like a, a little parenthetical in here, I want us to think about how are you hearing from God? Because just take a moment and recognize that all of this takes place in a dream, okay? Like, I don't know if you sort of could pass that by and not like actually think about that, but he has a dream and an angel of the Lord speaks to him in the midst of this dream. That's radical and incredible, that we could hear from God in all sorts of different ways. That you might uh, like have a familiarity with hearing from God through the scriptures, through the Bible, the written word of God, the written voice of God for you. And that is the, the primary and probably at some level the, the most accessible, easiest way to hear from God is through the Bible. But we also know that God can speak to us through other people, that God has given a, a word for them to share with us of some sort. God can speak to us in our prayer life through a sensing or a discerning or an impression or an image or a, a scripture that he might even give to us in the midst of that moment. That God can speak to us in dreams. Whoa, that's wild. We hear all sorts of amazing stories uh, on the mission field. We've talked about those in here of, of, of Muslims who see Jesus appear to them in a dream and tell them even, go talk to this person that I'll put in your life. And then they'll, they'll explain who I am to you more. Stuff like that. That's radical. That happens. Just this week, I actually had something happen to me that was uh, interesting, like where I don't, I'm not like a, a big dreamer or remembering my dreams sort of guy. And I wasn't even thinking about talking much about this, this dream element part, part of, this, um, of this passage. But then this thing happened to me where on Monday night, 
I actually, I had a dream that I remembered when I woke up. And I was at some sort of, like, some sort of party or gathering of people. And I was talking to some people that were closer to me. And in the distance, I saw this guy that I know named Jeff. And he's not a part of our church. He's a guy that's like, I remember we both were youth pastors at different churches a long time ago. And uh, he was just sort of a colleague, friend of mine. And I saw him sort of in the distance. And I was like, oh. I remember in the dream being like, oh, what's up, Jeff? I haven't seen you in forever. That's so cool. And, like, and that's it. That's all that it was in the midst of that moment. And then I remember I woke up in the morning. And I was looking at my phone in the morning and checking my emails. And the first email I checked was, was a LinkedIn sort of ad email. Now, I'm a pastor who's worked at the same place for 20 years. Like, LinkedIn is not my, like, area that I live, okay? Or I, <laughs> I'm not really needing to be involved there that often. Uh, but, Lord willing, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, but, like, there's an ad email uh, that was just like, hey, it said this guy, Jeff, has, like, has news to share or whatever. And I didn't even, I didn't even open it because <laughs> that's how much I don't care about the LinkedIn. But um, then I didn't even open it, but I was just like, oh, that's kind of crazy. Like, I haven't thought about this guy. And I, I, I opened my phone to text him, and I hadn't texted him in three years. Like, that's, like, how long it had been since I talked to him. And I just texted him. I just said, you know, I wanted to let you know that I had this dream, and this is what happened. You didn't do anything weird, nothing weird, I promise. Like, and I had this dream, but you were in it. And then I opened my email in the morning and had your name, and I was just like, that's, that's wild. Like, I just felt like I should reach out. How are you doing? Can I, you know, is there anything you need? And he just sent me back this thing. I was just like, that's, that's amazing that you would email me right now. <laughs> the reason I popped up on LinkedIn is because I was part of a, like, 900-person layoff from my job, from the company I worked in just a few days ago. And the fact that you didn't skip the prompting, but reached out in that way helps me be seen by God. And I feel like, I just feel so much better in the midst of that moment. And it was really cool. Like, it was just, it was just a cool moment to know, like, okay, Lord, like that stuff feels weird, right? Like sometimes you just feel weird. Like you're just like, okay, do I do, I do this? Do I reach out or whatever? And, and I, I felt like I should, I should respond to that prompting. And so I did, and it was cool to see how God ministered to someone in the midst of that. So like God can speak to us in our dreams, even if that's just to encourage someone in the Lord. And so I want you to consider like, how, is, how are you hearing from the Lord? And how open are you to hearing from the Lord in different ways? And it all should align with the word of God, with the scriptures. But I believe that God is maybe wanting to speak to us more than we more than we open our ears to hear, right? I think a lot of times we're running, we're busy, we're self-focused, and we don't allow the space to hear from God. So I want to encourage you to allow that space and to be open. And so then what is God, as he speaks to you, what is he actually asking you to do? And I think that God's will for you often and God's way for you often is more about who you're becoming than the tasks you're accomplishing for him. And so I want you to hear, like, as God's speaking to you, he's forming you and shaping you then. As he speaks to you through his word and through his voice and through his encouragement and love for you, he's forming you into the man or woman of God that he wants you to be. And then you'll be able to do for him out of that. But I think he's shaping you to who he wants you to be. So be open to that. Because I think Joseph was a man that was open to that. And in the midst of that, God was doing something in Joseph 
like so far beyond his plans and so far beyond his comprehension and understanding of what God could possibly do. God wants to do something in you so far beyond your plans, so far beyond your understanding, your, your ability to dream up yourself that maybe God needs to enter your dreams to show you the plan he has for you, the calling he has for you, the man or woman he wants you to become, the way that he wants you to trust in him and obey him fully in all of that. God is doing something so much bigger. Joseph could have had no idea that the Messiah was going to be his kid. Like, no, that's not, like, that wasn't on the list for him. That wasn't on the list of his plans for his life. But he was able to, like, be part of that because he trusted and obeyed. Because he was willing to respond with trust and to respond with obedience. Immediately, it says, he wakes up and he does what God commanded him to do. Think about it. the best that Joseph could imagine of what to do, because he was a good person, right? He's a righteous man. The best he could imagine to do was just, all right, I'm going to just kind of break this whole engagement off. I'll do it quietly. I'll do it respectfully. That's like I'm doing the right thing. For him, he was doing the right thing. And you might even in your life think, okay, I'm just, I'm trying to do the right thing. And then God told him that it was something different than what he thought. And so sometimes maybe the right thing for you to do is different than just what you think, but it's what God wants to show you is the best thing for you, not just sort of the first right thing. Because we don't always know the best thing even when we think we do. Okay? We don't always know that. And so to have that posture of trust, that posture of obedience is so, so important. And what's so cool is like the way Joseph responds here. He responds with this trust and obedience, even though there's no way he could, like, understand, like, everything about it. He didn't, he had this little bit of revelation, right? He had this little bit of, of a voice from God of saying, okay, listen, just don't, don't break up with her. Just stay, stay with her. Take her as your wife, and you're going to have a, you're going to have a son. Oh, and by the way, it's the Messiah. And he's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> right? And he just says, okay. And he, he, he leans into it and he just, he obeys. He doesn't know how it's all going to play out, how it's going to work out for him, which honestly for him, it doesn't work out great. Like it's not awesome for him. Like he has to, he has this plan that he's going to live in Nazareth with his wife, start a little family. Then they got to go down to Bethlehem because the census thing, they have their baby there, like with a bunch of animals and stuff like that. And then, so he's living in, he's doing that. And then Herod wants to try to kill all the babies of the area. So they got to escape. They escape down to Egypt. They live in Egypt for a while. Then they go back because of another dream. They go back from Egypt, back up to Nazareth. And then, you know, we, we kind of, he's in the story till Jesus is about 12. And he loses his kid for a while. Then he finally finds him again. And then it's like Joseph never appears again in the story. So we come back to the story when Jesus is around 30. From 12 to 30, we've got this gap, Right. Something happens to Joseph in the midst there. We, we kind of like assume he dies in the midst of that, that portion, that silent portion. So it's like, man, this was rough. This guy just like spends all this time with a little baby trying to run away and a little kid trying to figure this out. And then he dies. But he was faithful and he trusted and he's obedient. And he got to be the one that helped raise the Messiah to raise Jesus, to spend those moments with God in the flesh, though, that's incredible. That's amazing. 
He didn't have all of the picture, but he obeyed. And so that's what I want to encourage us in. We might not have all of what's going to happen. God doesn't always, God might prompt you in some way through the word or his voice in some way. He might prompt you to act in some way. That doesn't mean you know then what's going to happen every step of the way for the rest of your story. But God says, just take this first step of obedience, right? Take this, this step. Take this step. Trust me. I'm working something through here. I'm doing something in this story that you don't understand. So trust me and step into it. You might not be able to see it. It might seem like it's kind of not, it's like really awful actually for a while. But God is working something out in you and through you. So we need to be able to trust in him because we know that he is great. That he knows all. That he is sovereign. That he has a great plan. And he's working out that plan in you, through you, and even beyond you. I want to show us a story that's really cool of, um, of a couple in our church, Mary Jane and Quentin Edwards, as Mary Jane shares with us some of her story. And some of her story kind of like before, before she was following Jesus and then into as she was following Jesus and just like how God really worked in her life through... Um, through a whole lot of circumstances that you'll see here as she trusted and obeyed. Check it out. Hi, I'm Mary Jane, and this is my story. The first time that I came to Calvary Church was Christmas Eve 2004. Uh, my fiance and I were gonna be getting married and we wanted to find a church to call home. Uh, that night, Pastor Fred Moore spoke and we just fell in love with Calvary. We thought it was a really great place. We came back the next Sunday and we just decided we were gonna go all in at Calvary. I filled out the card and before I knew it, I was serving in children's ministries in the preschool program. Um, those are really special years. For us as a family trying to figure out where church home would be, we had a lot of baggage coming with us. You see, when I was 17, um, I was pregnant and we actually placed a child for adoption. And so it was just five years later that we found ourselves at Calvary Church. And coming here was one of the craziest things that has ever happened because I couldn't have imagined from that first Christmas Eve night to today what God was gonna do. I kept serving as a volunteer and a staff position became open. I was encouraged to apply for it, and in March of 2008, I started serving on Calvary's staff full-time. Uh, since then, I have had the opportunity to serve in early childhood, and now I'm serving as the family ministries pastor. Calvary has been our church family. This is uh, where my husband was baptized, where we were married, um, and where we're raising our children. And as we've gone through this journey with Calvary, everyone has been so faithful to pray with us, uh, not only for the life that we're living, but for the son that we had placed so long before. Um, it's been really amazing to have a family at church supporting us, asking questions and encouraging us through the years. And just this last summer, we were blown away at God's mercy that he would allow us to actually reunite with the son we placed for adoption. And now 21 years later, we have a relationship with him and our family has grown by a whole nother child. 
and it's been so special to celebrate this news, not only as a family, but with our extended family at church. I couldn't have anticipated what one decision to just come to a Christmas Eve service and then to just fill out a card and then to just start volunteering to get to today where I have the opportunity to serve families at Calvary and to see God's rich hand of mercy in my own family as well. Amen. It's so incredible as we trust and obey and we take steps towards Jesus. God is shaping a story that, that we never could have written. God was shaping a story in Mary Jane and Quentin's life and their family that they never could have written. And there are parts of it that they probably would have written differently if they could have. And there are like ways that we then, we trust in God and we obey him for our next step forward, not for our past steps, right? Like we, we know that God is completely, he meets us where we are with all of who we are, as she even said, as we came here with baggage, right? And so just recognizing that God wants to meet you now wherever you are with whatever you come with. And don't limit God to think that maybe whatever you come with seems like too much. And don't limit God to think that whatever you come with can't be rewritten or, or continue to be written into the beautiful story that God wants it to be. And so I want to encourage us as much as we can to trust because when we trust, that results in God's will be done, right? God's will be done comes out of when we trust in him and we take continual steps with him and for him in the midst of all of that. So I just, I thank uh, Mary Jane for being willing to share that story there. It was in like that little newspaper too that, that we have available for you, just the beauty of your story. We're even going to um, do like a full, like long, long form podcast with her this week just to be able to hear all of that story. So I'd love for you to check that out if you're interested in hearing just all the, the beautiful uh, details and bits of how God has worked in her life. And I just hope that can be an encouragement to you. And so God is working in all of us with our, all of our, all of whatever stuff we all bring into it, God's meeting us very intimately and, and wants to, to meet you in the midst of that. If that is, means that you need healing or if that means you need forgiveness or if that means you need courage, if that, you know, whatever it is that God needs to be able to give you in the midst of that, he will meet you in it. And it results, it will result in then God's saving work and God with us. For Joseph, what his trust and obedience is part of this, it results in this God's like saving work for all of all time, right? Like God, he gets to be part of the Messiah coming, Jesus coming to start his life, who then eventually uh, continues to live this perfect life and who then eventually dies upon the cross to take the sin of the world upon himself, but comes back to life again on the third day. That, got, that whole story of the gospel is what Joseph got to be part of. Now, really, that's what we get to be part of too, is that whole story of the gospel. And so we join in that story as we trust, and we trust for God's will. Now, I think one of these verses that someone uh, could have said to Mary Jane back then, or could have said to somebody that's experiencing a, a hurt or a loss today, can get used, sometimes this verse gets used a little uh, as a weapon or something, right? Or it gets used a little, uh, 
clunkily, let's say for, <laughs> you know, just to be kind about it. But Romans 8, 28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Sometimes people say that, like say that verse, and it's kind of like in a time where it's hard to hear that. Like, let me just discover that verse on my own, please. But I think this verse, like how perfect is this for Joseph? Like, this is amazing. He's just like all upset about whatever's happening here in his story. And then if he could hear this, like, no, no, Joseph, God is causing everything to work together for the good. Not just for the good of what you think's good, but for the, for the good of those who love God, God and are called according to his purpose. His purpose is what we are called to. And so he's working that out. And so I want us to even hear that for ourselves and in our life, that that, that is what God is working out in us as we trust and obey. And so as we respond to this, we are going to look into a poem called Disturb Us, O Lord. And uh, maybe you've heard this before, and I want it to kind of speak this over you. And so I'd like you to sort of put your stuff down or, you know, kind of focus yourself. If you want to close your eyes, you can. If you want to just, I want you to hear the words of this poem. um, And I want you to take it in and allow God to speak to you through these words. So hear God speaking to you in this poem from the late 1500s. Just take a breath. Prepare yourself. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, We have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas, where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizon of our hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. I'm going to read it one more time. I want you, before I read it, just to say, Lord, in the quiet of your heart, Lord, speak to me. What do you have for me in this? How would you have me respond? Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves. When our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little. When we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas, where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land, 
we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. And pray for us. And after, we, after I pray, we'll, we'll sing. And I just invite you to the prayer points if you'd like to have someone pray with you about any of this. Lord, we thank you that you see so far beyond what our eyes can see. That your plans are so much greater than anything we could ever imagine, God. And that your power is great enough and for us enough to carry us through, to empower us into whatever you have called us to. And Lord, we recognize that that might and most likely will include suffering. And so, Lord, we say, God, we trust you in the midst of all of it. We obey you in the midst of all of it. And may we just at least get a brief glimpse into the beautiful picture that you are creating, God. With us, it's just a part of it, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.